welcome y'all and we are watching a very interesting interview of lost civilizations of the past atlantis sumerian lemuria matthew lecroix and debbie dashinger these these cyclical events seem to be something that happens to almost reset and then civilizations come rise up again and then it seems to be like a game to them and they write about how they observe humanity and they watch as these events the occur, watchers. and they decide the fates of those who are here. Now, they describe it like, for instance, when Plato um, found out the story of um, Atlantis, it came from Solon, who was another Greek philosopher that was much, a Greek philosopher and poet that was much older than Plato, who had traveled to Egypt and uncle. had found out the story from the temple priest of a temple called Sais. And they said, look, Solon, you Greeks remember one catastrophe, but there have been many that have come before you. And what we what we find is you start putting this together. And someone like me, I'm a I'm someone who start, studies climatology and ice core samples. Mm. We're looking at ice core samples from Greenland and Antarctica, and we're saying we're looking back and we're saying, look at this, this time period of twelve and a half thousand years ago. There was catastrophes in these in these ice core samples that lines up precisely with the dating that's coming out of places like Gobekli Tepe. Now, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey was radiocarbon dated to be from that same time period, but was deliberately buried to, almost to protect it as that civilization fled to try to survive the events that came came over that area. It was never dug up again. Meaning that the civilizations that created that celestial library, they were tracking the heavens to track time. That civilization went to try to survive the catastrophes, probably underground in places like Darren Kuyu in Turkey, these underground cities, but they never survived. We know that because they never dug it back up again, which means that these civilizations in many cases tried to make it through, but they didn't. And what it's telling us is, look, these catastrophes, are nothing like we've experienced in modern human history. Nothing. They're not even on the same level. And what we're finding is that on megaliths around the world, <clears throat> in Peru and in Egypt, all throughout these areas, we're finding these burn marks and these melting of the rock. There's a famous set of gigantic statues, the largest in the world, called the Colossi of Memnon in Egypt, outside Theban Egypt. And that area has all this damage on these giant structures where they're cracked and broken in half. And on the Colossi of Memnon, <clears throat> what we have is on the same side on either statue is like this burning and melting on the northeast side on both of them. And if we go around the world at the same time, kind of we funny. find out that a lot of these ancient structures that have been built to be aligned to magnetic north are off by 23 and a half degrees. Okay, almost everywhere in the world, all these ancient sites that are aligned to like magnetic north and all these things in the Colossi of Memnon, they all not only have damage on one on particular side, but they're all off. Which those civilizations didn't make mistakes. They're all off by north by twenty three and a half degrees, meaning that this event that occurred was so significant it altered the axis of the planet. Wow. Okay. okay? Because it means that they were, it was built when North was in a different place. Okay. But not only that, is the damage on those structures is so severe that it had to have been caused by something that is almost like at, at a Hollywood. For instance, 
These structures were made out of granite. In order to melt granite, in the way that we see some of these, the melting of vitrification, it's called, you would have to have temperatures in some parts of the planet that would have had to exceed 2,000 degrees. Okay. What we're, what we're finding is that it's a multitude of different catastrophes that seem to come <laughs> through that was so incredible that it lasted for thousands of years off and on. Right. So if you were an incredible civilization, and even if you had the abilities to survive hundreds of years through these, try to imagine the earth being in turmoil for up and down over the course of hundreds of years where another catastrophe would occur for over 2000 years. Now, that would be enough to wipe them out, allow <laughs> their memory to almost be lost, and then another civilization to come through that had survived like an indigenous culture and find the remnants of them left behind. And that's why all the structures around the world, especially in places like Machu Picchu and a lot of Egypt, is we find this really primitive building on top with these really uh, with mortar and these really rough stones, but all these incredible giant blocks in the bottom because they're from different civilizations. Yes, this is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. So I, I'm getting excited because I literally wrote down here while you were speaking, energetically I got indigenous. Ask him about indigenous and the shamans because my sense as you were speaking, honestly, just energetic, not intellectual, but the fact that these very advanced civilizations that they born they gave birth to the indigenous who of course we've discarded disgustingly through most of humanity but are actually the bearers of this intelligence this knowledge and this advancement exactly. yes okay yeah they're, they're the all that was left behind some of these elders and these priests and these shamans from these cultures they passed these stories down they didn't have the means to be able to create what those civilizations before them did but they had the knowledge that was passing down. That's why stories that really got me into this, like the, the ancient Dogen out of Mali, Africa, their stories where they talk about these influences of the Nomo, which their descriptions of the Nomo are almost identical to in ancient Mesopotamia, the Nomo with um, the Apkalu and this these fish-like soup beings that they discuss at how, well, look, our story, the Dogen, discussing Sirius star system, discovering like three stars in the Sirius constellation, two of which we've only just discovered the second one and they already knew about all these things. That story, though, was only able to be preserved because their elders decided to hide themselves away and not be polluted by any outside messages. And this is why they were able to, to bring back such an ancient story because it's very difficult to preserve ancient stories that don't get polluted or lost if something terrible happens to those people that know those stories. And that's why we need to start paying attention to what's left over in these ancient tablets and these stories left behind from the indigenous, because they're the ones who know the true story and they know who we really are. Yes, totally. hundred percent. Which is so beautiful. Answer, the answer to all our ills of society in western society in particular is in the native american spirituality and history and way of looking at everything so we should uh, apologize as a nation and make amends of course and uh, then 
enjoy the, uh, the indigenous people as a resource, incredible resource and repository of wisdom and knowledge. And making its uh, its rebirth, its renaissance on this planet for the indigenous, you know, I think it's incredible that they would even say that Western man, woman are going to be the bearers of this going forward, which is like, that's incredible considering what we've done. So powerful, powerful. You must travel you so much, body. Matt. Have you been many, many places on the planet? We are, um, I've done a lot of, a lot of ancient structures in, in temples. Colonizer, colonizer, <laughs> colonizer, colonizer, colonizer. That's my colonizer song. In Mexico, and I've traveled a lot of other parts of the <laughs> world. Um, we actually just had a trip to Peru and Bolivia that was canceled for a couple unfortunate reasons, but it's going to be rescheduled for the summer. But I'm hoping to get to as many ancient sites as I can. And look, <clears throat> with the amount of technology we have today, even if you can't get to this ancient site, with the amount of incredible 360 degree pictures and all this satellite imagery and photography, you can still study these ancient sites even if you aren't there. But my goal is to get to as many as I can because the ancient world is a fascination for, for me. And I am a, a, I'm trying to be a self-taught archeologist. So I would love to be able to get out to every single site I can in the world in the future. That's beautiful. And then there's also the pioneer probes, right? They've made really incredible discoveries. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the reasons behind um, some of these catastrophes. So as I, as I talked about earlier in the show, I am not someone who supports purely a cosmic impact theory for, to, to, to talk about or to describe the reasons for these cyclical catastrophes. Number one, I cite the idea that Look, we don't have any impact craters, impact craters around the world that are younger than 13,000 years old. So, and then some would say, okay, well, they could have hit the ice caps. Yes, that's entirely possible. But I like to um, mention the, uh, a, a great name, a geologist named Robert Schock, yes. who has looked He's been into, on the show. Yeah, we love him. He's brilliant. If, when we look into this vitrification and burning on some of these structures, when we look into the, uh, the, the ancient plasma in the sky that some of these ancient ancient cultures were drawing when they saw some of these events. Well, I think we're looking at here, the more that I've studied it, is that we're looking at massive solar events that if you had a solar event that occurred on the earth that was significant enough to basically disrupt what's called the magnetic sphere, magnetospheres, basically the, the magnet, magnetic poles balance and create what we know as the ozone layer around the world. It creates this electromagnetism that basically blocks these incoming solar rays and protects our planet. If you were to have massive charged particles from the sun hit bombard the earth enough and you cause a weakening of that field, those charged particles could pass through the earth in certain places. And would, which would cause a whole host of different problems, not only that extreme temperature gradients, but climate disruptions. You would have massive spikes in temperatures, melting ice caps, disrupting ocean currents, and creating, I mean, basically, once that axis tilt of the Earth is, is, is wobbling and moving, every tectonic plate in the world would go off, sending tsunamis. And it's like, it's like an end of the world scenario. But the, the more that I've studied, the more that I've taken it a step further. I don't believe that it's just random solar events. 
I believe it's part of a cyclical uh, cycle that's occurring with our son with what I believe is a binary companion that has almost been lost to our knowledge. I know that might seem crazy to some people because, I mean, how could we not know if we have a binary star companion? But the, the fact is that we have compelling data that shows us that way beyond the inner solar system, beyond the sun, we have this outer area of <clears throat> asteroids and comets called the Kuiper Belt, which, by the way, was only discovered in the 1990s. This yep. It's basically this area of massive area of asteroids and comets that surrounds the inner solar system. But beyond that area, is there's other things out there, but we can't see them because they're not illuminated. And so it's very difficult for us to understand what's going on beyond that. Now, this is where the Pioneer probes come in. For those who don't know, Pioneer 10 was the first spacecraft to ever travel beyond Mars and Jupiter, okay? Everyone's heard of the Voyager probe. Why is nobody talking about the Pioneer probes, right? Pioneer probes predated the Voyager probes. This was where it all started. Now, the Pioneer 10 and 11 were sent out by NASA in 1971, 1972, because they were wondering why our entire solar system was tilted on its axis. Uranus and Neptune and even the inner, the inner planets were slightly tilted on their axis and they didn't know why. Furthermore, Caltech University began studying asteroids and comets in the Kuiper Belt and noticed this very strange perihelion um, look to them as they're, as they're traveling where something is perturbing our entire solar system, okay? Now, when Pioneer 10 finally went into the outer solar system in 1980, 1983, it discovered these objects out there because it had sensors on board to detect gravity and detect basically signatures from when it, when some kind of a mass exists out in space. And they found, which NASA announced in, in the early 1990s that they had found a planet, a rogue, a, a very large rogue planet that existed beyond the Kuiper Belt that they had initially talked about, but very much covered up later, that they said was four to five times the size of Earth. So it's a very significant planet that was existing out there. But what happened after that was that as Ten is traveling, it discovered something else. And for, for anyone who doesn't believe me what I'm saying right now, I highly encourage you to go on my website, thestageoftime.com, where I have a diagram that was made in by the 1987 Science and Invention Encyclopedia that actually talked about and discussed exactly what Pioneer 10 found. Are you suggesting that the sun has a binary, binary twin? It does. It does. Okay. And this is what Pioneer found. Now, after... I'm dual casting from now on because the folks at DHS, you know... Often, about 20% of the time, they won't let me record, um, they'll destroy my audio. Can't recover audio, it tells me. And, uh, so this information is important and needs to get out there. So I'm dual, cast, dual casting and if they had, the folks at DHS, like Kevin, by the way, Kevin, I need some TP for my bunghole. But uh, maybe Kevin or Brad or the Dicks, Richard, the couple Richards there at DHS, 
And in fact, I'm going to make a fucking TikTok for my birthday, and I'm going to ask them to please leave me the fuck alone and um, stop suppressing my shit. My, you know, they're violating my my uh, constitutional right to free speech, and uh, it's really a fucking drag, and it's also criminal, motherfuckers. So, um, <clears throat> I've told you a million times to cease and desist. You won't fucking leave me alone, so, uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to make take it public. It's going to be fun, you know, like last year I did a song for y'all, fucking Kevin and DHS, dedicated. And so I'm re-releasing that. <laughs> Motherfuckers. So anyway, um... Faster messaging. Hmm. Okay, anyway, that's not panning out. <clears throat> so, shout out to KAM Houston Radio at the University of Aristotle. And Pasquayaki, travel right. Oh, no. Pasquayaki. KPYT, Pascoyaki, Travel Radio. Oh. KPYT, Pascoyaki, Travel Radio, Travel Radio. On the rest of just a show, Travel Radio, Travel Radio. <laughs> Let's get back to lost civilizations of the past. Atlantis to After Pioneer 10 discovered this, this binary companion, I mean, so far out that it, it, we can't even see it because it's basically, they called it a dead star. Now, this is not my terminology. This was from the diagram for the 1987 Science and Invention Encyclopedia. And it's the only place that I've ever seen, ever, where the findings of Pioneer 10 have ever been disclosed. Ever. It is one of the greatest conspiracies, if not the greatest conspiracy that I've ever seen in my life. Because what happened was that it discovered the cause for what I call the cyclical catastrophes of lost civilizations throughout history. I believe that this binary companion is the cause of why the sun goes through these periods of emitting enormous amounts of, of charged particles, solar energy, which is which happens on a cyclical basis. It is also the reason why ice ages seem to occur around every hundred thousand years on the planet. <clears throat> We're talking about a complex cycle that seems to occur with a binary companion that in 1983 was 50 billion miles away. So this is binary not something companion. where it's this close relationship. Just imagine, imagine an ancient star companion that millions and millions of years ago exploded, okay? Exploded and became a dead star. And that's what the, the Pioneer 10 probe discovered because it can basically take signatures mm -hmm. from so the just... others decided to hide themselves away and not be polluted by any outside messages. And this is why they were able to, to bring back such an ancient story because it's very difficult to preserve ancient stories that don't get polluted or lost. If something terrible happens Somehow to those people what that know hell? those stories, We're gonna go that part of the world is part of what I call the lost civilizations right. that once existed around the world. Those have similarities with a lot of Southeast Asia. And what I believe is that that region 
was the influences that are left behind of the, the Luria Mu civilization because they had a very different style of building. They had a very different style altogether. And the way that they describe the ancient stories, they talk about the same things that, that are echoed all throughout ancient Mesopotamia with these like almost like sky gods, these advanced beings that seem to be very similar to us in a lot of ways, hmm. which is what the whole purpose of this understanding is that we essentially are them. And I think that's where the message should get across is that there have been influences that have come here that have given rise to humanity from a sort of a, a primitive mammal blueprint that seems to have existed where if we look at genetics, um, there's a brilliant geneticist who's no longer around anymore named Loya Pai, who said, look, if we look at 200,000 years ago, there seemed to be this point in time where our brains doubled in size out of nowhere. And we developed all these different sophistications, this chakra center within us and all these things that wasn't there before. And we became something different. All of a sudden we became like this higher dim dimensional sentient being that existed here. And we used to live a long time. Yeah, and all, because we used to travel All the these stars. different things. And we've forgotten that over time. And I think that's <laughs> one of the saddest things is looking at divine. how people view reality and what they what they spend their time doing now it's very sad because all the ancient texts and all the ancient writings and everything left behind says look you're an incredible incredible being of the universe you know this is what you should be doing and then you look at what we are doing and you you begin to wonder if you know part of the purpose of hiding all of that is that we don't realize who we are because i think then we'll realize how powerful we are i've heard and this before i know everything right it'll yes. change everyone's perspective of reality here so so many people ask but well, what's the purpose of hiding all of this what's the purpose of blah 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 i don't believe in conspiracies or all these things is we need to say look we are so much more incredible than we've been told Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why in school we're told that consciousness is, is derived from the brain, which is not true at all, is that we are our consciousness. It's more like we're in like an avatar body experiencing a physical reality, but we're really non-physical beings that are incredibly powerful. And we're here to experience this world that we're existing in. But we have had a lot of very clever mechanisms that have kept us almost entrapped in this illusion of reality. The Nag Hammadi talks about that. The Nag Hammadi um, is an ancient Gnostic writing that came out of Egypt. And that was found in a cave along the Nile River during World War II because they had to hide it because these ancient writings around the world were being sought for destruction by the Roman Empire and other various empires who have wanted to wipe out this story so that it's, it's not known so they can rewrite the story. And so what we're dealing with is a very complex history of us trying to piece together the remnants of these incredible civilizations around us and how they were once connected to the stars in the universe and how we can find our way home. Mm, I love that. I love that. And is there a reason for the pattern? Why floods? Why tsunamis? Why is that a way that would wipe out a culture? Do you have a sense from your research that actually these beings had a way, maybe using the portals to exit the planet before something catastrophic happened? Or did they remain and be taken away with the civilization? Yeah, that's an area that's fascinating. Um, there's a tablet called that, that a lot of people are very familiar with, but few have ever actually read it, called the Epic of Gilgamesh. Now, in that is an area that I've never heard anyone talk about, and I don't know why. 
But in that, in those tablets, because these are long tablets, so if you don't know where to look, it's difficult to figure out what to pay attention to. Mm. And things like that, I'm about what I'm about to say, are things that I like to inject and put into like the epic of humanity, so that people have like these these pieces that I consider the most important parts of all these texts. Anyway, in that, Gilgamesh is a king of the city of Uruk. Which is funny because Uruk was a real city that exists, and yet we're told that he was just a mythical king that wasn't real. And yet the city that he's mentioned, we've already found the city, and we, it's, it exists in Iraq today. So it states that he went on this journey to find immortality. And in that story, it says that he met with an ancient king who is no longer alive in the physical world anymore. But this ancient king turns out to be this figure known as Untanapishtim, who is this last king of these ancient cities that was destroyed before the catastrophes, okay? And he says, look, Gilgamesh, where I come from long ago is an ancient city so old to you that it's almost been lost to your memory as well. And this is something that the time period of Gilgamesh existing was lost also. So this is like, we're going back multiple chapters, but he states something fascinating in there. He states that he talks about how the gods here, not the forces of nature, but something more powerful than that. So these influences here, they said the gods once walked among you in that, among us, in that city when it existed. And he says that when the deluge occurred, they were so appalled by allowing that to happen that they departed and left. And they never, and it says that it, it states that they basically disappeared from here. Now, What's interesting about I mean, that is there's other bad. tablets like the Atrahasis mm. as well, as well that discuss how there's this council of 12 well, of these powerful shit. beings that seem to decide the fates of humanity. And they describe how there's a cycle that occurs with these catastrophes that they can essentially either create or allow to happen. Now, why would they want to do that? Well, they discuss in it how... Humanity has had different time periods where they've risen up to become so powerful that they were like immortal and that all these different things and that they were essentially wiped out for a reason to start over again. Like it's a game, like some kind of a cosmic game to see, oh, you know, if you're wiped out, if, can you rise back up again and how far can you go in like a certain time period? It's It seems to be a, this almost Sick. like beyond our comprehension game that's being played in the cosmos where these these cyclical events seem to be something that happens to almost reset and then civilizations come rise up again and then it seems to be like a game to them and they write about how they observe humanity and they watch as these events occur and right. they decide the fates of those who are here mm -hmm. now they describe it like for instance when plato um, found out the story of um, atlantis it came from Solon, who is another Greek philosopher that was much a Greek philosopher and poet that was much older than Plato, who had traveled to Egypt and had found out the story from the temple priest of a temple called Sais. And they said, look, Solon, you Greeks remember one catastrophe, but there have been many that have come before you. And what we will be fine is you start. And after each time, each disaster, Plato said that we we go on like children with no knowledge of what had happened before. 
together. And someone like me, I'm a I'm someone who st studies climatology and ice core samples. Mm. We're looking at ice core samples from Greenland and Antarctica, sick. and we're saying we're looking back and we're saying, look at this, this time period of twelve and a half thousand years ago. There was catastrophes in these in these ice core samples that lines up precisely with the dating that's coming out of places like Gobekli Tepe. Now, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey was radiocarbon dated to be from that same time period, but was deliberately buried to almost to protect it as that civilization fled to try to survive the events that came came over that area. It was never dug up again meaning that the civilizations that created that celestial library, they were tracking the heavens to track time. Sure. That civilization went to try to survive the catastrophes, probably underground in places like Derinkuyu in Turkey, these underground cities, but they never survived. We know that because they never dug it back up again, which means that these civilizations, in many cases, tried to make it through, but they didn't. And what it's telling us is, look, these catastrophes, are nothing like we've experienced in modern human history. Nothing. They're not even on the same level. And what we're finding is that on megaliths around the world, <clears throat> in Peru and in Egypt, all throughout these areas, we're finding these burn marks in these melting of the rock. There's a famous set of gigantic statues, the largest in the world called the Colossi of Memnon in Egypt, outside Theban Egypt. And that area has all this damage on these giant structures where they're cracked and broken in half. And on the Colossi of Memnon, <clears throat> what we have is on the same side on either statue is like this burning and melting on the northeast side on both of them. And if we go around the world at the same time, we find out that a lot of these ancient structures that have been built to be aligned to magnetic north are off by 23 and a half degrees. Okay almost everywhere in the world. All these ancient sites that are aligned to like magnetic north and all these things in the Colossi of Memnon, they all not only have damage on one on particular side, but they're all off, which those civilizations didn't make mistakes. They're all off by north by 23 and a half degrees, meaning that this event that occurred was so significant, it altered the axis of the planet. Wow, okay. okay? Because it means that they were it was built when north was in a different place okay but not only that is the damage on those structures is so severe that it had to have been caused by something that is almost like at, at a hollywood for instance these structures were made out of granite in order to melt granite in the way that we see some of these the melting of vitrification it's called you would have to have temperatures in some parts of the planet that would have had to exceed two thousand degrees Okay, what we're what we're finding is that it's a multitude of different catastrophes that seem to have come through that was so incredible that it lasted for thousands of years off and on. Right. So if you were an incredible civilization, even if you had the abilities to survive hundreds of years through these, the watchers. try to imagine the Earth being in turmoil for up and down over the course of hundreds of years where another catastrophe would occur for over 2,000 years. Now, that would be enough to wipe them out, allow their memory to almost be lost, and then another civilization to come through that had survived like an indigenous culture and find the remnants of them 
left behind. And that's why all the structures around the world, especially in places like Machu Picchu and a lot of Egypt, is we find this really primitive building on top with these really uh, with mortar and these really rough stones, but all these incredible giant blocks in the bottom because they're from different civilizations. Yes, this is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. So I, I'm getting excited because I literally wrote down here while you were speaking, energetically, I got indigenous. Ask him about indigenous. Of the rock. There's a famous set of gigantic statues, the largest in the world called the Colossi of Memnon in Egypt, outside Theban Egypt. And that area has all this damage on these giant structures where they're cracked and broken in half. And on the Colossi of Memnon, <clears throat> what we have is on the same side on either statue is like this burning and melting on the northeast side on both of them. And if we go around the world at the same time, we find out that a lot of these ancient structures that have been built to be aligned to magnetic north are off by 23 and a half degrees. Okay. Almost everywhere in the world. All these ancient sites that are aligned to like magnetic north and all these things in the Colossi of Memnon, they all not only have damage on one side, on particular side, but they're all off, which those civilizations didn't make mistakes. They're all off by north by 23 and a half degrees, meaning that this event that occurred was so significant, it altered the axis of the planet. Wow. Okay. Because okay. it means that they were, it was built when north was in a different place. Okay. But not only that, is the damage on those structures is so severe. That's where we started to have seasons. It had to have been caused by something that is almost like. Uh, uh, I think it was Velikovsky, his uh, you know, favorites philosopher and researcher who's often right about these things about uh you know the trauma that humanity endured um after these catastrophes but um yeah velikovsky is a, is a great source for instance these structures were made out of granite. In order to melt granite, in the way that we see some of these, the melting of vitrification, it's called, oh. you would have to have temperatures in some parts of the planet that would have had to exceed 2,000 degrees. Okay? What we're, what we're finding is that it's a multitude of different catastrophes that seem to have come through that was so incredible that it lasted for thousands of years off and on. Right. So if you were an incredible civilization, and even if you had the abilities to survive hundreds of years through these, try to imagine the earth being in turmoil for up and down over the course of hundreds of years where another catastrophe would occur for over 2000 years. Now, that would be enough to wipe them out, allow their memory to almost be lost. And then another civilization to come through that had survived like an indigenous culture and find the remnants of them left behind. And that's why all the structures around the world, especially in places like Machu Picchu and a lot of Egypt, is we find this really primitive building on top with these really uh, with mortar and these really rough stones, but all these incredible giant blocks in the bottom 
because they're from different civilizations. Yes, this is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. So I, I'm getting excited because I literally wrote down here while you were speaking, energetically, I got indigenous. <laughs> Ask him about indigenous and the shamans because my sense as you were speaking, honestly, just energetic, not intellectual, but the yeah, fact yeah, that these yeah. very advanced civilizations Eager that beaver. they born they gave birth to the indigenous who of course we've discarded just, disgustingly uh, to most of humanity but are actually the bearers of this yeah. intelligence this knowledge okay, yeah. and this advancement exactly. so GFS, yes nobody okay. can hear me yeah uh, they're, they're the all that was left behind you know some of these elders and these priests and these shamans from these cultures they passed these stories down they didn't have the means to be able to create what those civilizations before them did but they had the knowledge that was passing down. That's why stories that really got me into this, like the, the ancient Dogen out of Mali, Africa, their stories where they talk about these influences of the Nomo, which their descriptions of the Nomo are almost identical to in ancient Mesopotamia, the Nomo with um, the Apkalu and this these fish-like suit beings that they discuss it how, well, look, our story, the Dogen, discussing Sirius star system, discovering like three stars in the Sirius constellation, two of which we've only just discovered the second one and they already knew about all these things. That story, though, was only able to be preserved because their elders decided to hide themselves away and not be polluted by any outside messages. And this is why they were able to, to bring back such an ancient story because it's very difficult to preserve ancient stories that don't get polluted or lost if something terrible happens to those people that know those stories. And that's why we need to start paying attention to what's left over in these ancient tablets and these stories left behind from the indigenous, because they're the ones who know the true story and they know who we really are. Yes, oh. totally, 100%. Which is so beautiful, plant medicine making its uh, its rebirth, its renaissance on this planet. For the indigenous, you know, I think it's incredible that they would even say that Western man, woman, are going to be the bearers of this going forward, which is like, that's incredible considering what we've Who done. said that? So powerful, powerful. That you must her, travel so her, much, Matt. Have you been many, many places on the planet? We are, um, I've done a lot of, a lot of ancient structures in, in temples in, in Mexico, and I've traveled a lot of other parts of the world. Uh, we actually just had a trip to Peru and Bolivia that was canceled for a couple unfortunate reasons, but it's going to be rescheduled for the summer. But I'm hoping to get to as many ancient sites as I can. And look, <clears throat> with the amount of technology we have today, even if you can't get to us ancient site, with the amount of incredible 360 degree pictures and all this satellite imagery and photography, you can still study these ancient sites, even if you aren't there. But my goal is to get to as many as I can, because the ancient world is a fascination for, for me. And I am a, a, I'm trying to be a self-taught archaeologist. So I would love to be able to get out to every single site I can in the world in the future. That's beautiful. And then there's also the pioneer probes, right? They've made really incredible discoveries. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the reasons behind um, some of these catastrophes. So as I, as I talked about earlier in the show, I am not someone who supports purely a cosmic impact theory for, to, to, to talk about or to describe the reasons for these cyclical catastrophes. Number one, I cite the idea that, look, we don't have any impact craters, impact craters around the world that are younger than 13,000 years old. So, and then some would say, okay, well, they could have hit the ice caps. Yes. That's entirely possible. 
But I like to um, mention uh, a, a great name, a geologist named Robert Schock, yes. who has looked. He's been into, on the show. Yeah, we love him. He, he's brilliant. If, when we look into this vitrification and burning on some of these structures, when we look into the uh, the the ancient plasma in the sky that some of these ancient ancient cultures were drawing when they saw some of these events, whoa, low battery. Oh shit! Is that we're looking at massive solar events that if you had a solar event that occurred on the earth that was significant enough to basically disrupt what's called the magnetic sphere magnetic spheres basically the the magnet, magnetic poles balance and create what we know as the ozone layer around the world it creates this electromagnetism that basically blocks these incoming solar rays and protects our planet if you were to have massive charged particles from the sun hit bombard the earth enough and you cause the weakening of that field, those charged particles could pass through the earth in certain places, and would, which would cause a whole host of different problems. Not only that extreme temperature gradients, but climate disruptions. You would have massive spikes in temperatures, melting ice caps, disrupting ocean currents, and creating, I mean, basically, once that axis tilt of the earth is, is, is wobbling and moving, every tectonic plate in the world would go off sending tsunamis and it's like an end of the world scenario but the, the more that i've studied the more that i've taken it a step further i don't believe that it's just random solar events i believe it's part of a cyclical uh, cycle that's occurring with our sun with what i believe is a binary companion that has almost been lost to our knowledge i know that might seem crazy to some people because, I mean, how could we not know if we have a binary star companion? But the, the fact is that we have compelling data that shows us that way beyond the inner solar system, beyond the sun, we have this outer area of <clears throat> asteroids and comets called the Kuiper Belt, which, by the way, was only discovered in the 1990s. This, it's basically this area of massive area of asteroids and comets that surrounds the inner solar system. But beyond that area, is, there's other things out there but we can't see them because they're not illuminated. And so it's very difficult for us to understand what's going on beyond that. Now, this is where the Pioneer probes come in. For those who don't know, Pioneer 10 was the first spacecraft to ever travel beyond Mars and Jupiter, okay? Everyone's heard of the Voyager probe. Why is nobody talking about the Pioneer probes, right? Pioneer probes predated the Voyager probes. This was where it all started. Now, the Pioneer 10 and 11 were sent out by NASA in 1971, 1972, because they were wondering why our entire solar system was tilted on its axis. Uranus and Neptune and even the inner, the inner planets were slightly tilted on their axis and they didn't know why. Furthermore, Caltech University began studying asteroids and comets in the Kuiper Belt and noticed this very strange perihelion um, look to them as they're as they're traveling, where something is perturbing our entire solar system. Okay, now when Pioneer 10 finally went into the outer solar system in 1980-1983, it discovered these objects out there because it had sensors on board to detect gravity and detect basically signatures from when it, when some kind of a mass exists out in space, and they found which. NASA announced in, in the early 1990s that they had found a planet, a rogue, a, a very large rogue planet that existed beyond the Kuiper Belt that they had initially talked about, but very much covered up later, that they said was four to five times the size of Earth. 
So it's a very significant planet that was existing out there. But what happened after that was that as Pioneer 10 is traveling, it discovered something else. And for, for anyone who doesn't believe me what I'm saying right now, I highly encourage you to go on my website, thestageoftime.com, where I have a diagram that was made in by the 1987 Science and Invention Encyclopedia that actually talked about and discussed exactly what Pioneer 10 found. Are you suggesting that the sun has a binary binary twin? It does. It does. Okay. And this is what Pioneer found. Now, after, after Pioneer 10 discovered this, this binary companion, I mean, so far out that it, it, we can't even see it because it's basically, they called it a dead star. Now, this is not my terminology. This was from the diagram for the 1987 Science and Invention Encyclopedia. And it's the only place that I've ever seen, ever, where the findings of Pioneer 10 have ever been disclosed. It is one of the greatest conspiracies, if not the greatest conspiracy that I've ever seen in my life. Because what happened was that it discovered the cause for what I call the cyclical catastrophes of lost civilizations throughout history. I believe that this binary companion is the cause of why the sun goes through these periods of emitting enormous amounts of, of charged particles, solar energy, which, is which happens on a cyclical basis and is also the reason why ice ages seem to occur around every 100,000 years on the planet. <clears throat> We're talking about a complex cycle that seems to occur with a binary companion that in 1983 was 50 billion miles away. So this is not something where it's this close relationship. Just imagine imagine an ancient star companion that millions and millions of years ago exploded, okay? Mm -hmm. Exploded and became a dead star. And that's what the, the Pioneer 10 probe discovered because it can basically take signatures. So from you're saying that they discovered a, a dead sun. Yes. Binary twin. And that, so essentially you're saying at one point, that there were two suns yes. that were orbiting around a common center of mass, yes. right? Gravitationally, they're bound to each other. Yes. And at some point, there's even a catastrophe that took out that twin sun. Yeah, and but created it to be dead. Exactly. And the thing is, though, that it's their perihelion orbits. Their mm. orbits are so enormous that we don't even fully know the amount of time it takes but I've been doing a lot of calculations and a lot of work to try to figure out the orbital track of this binary star. But essentially, I theorized that that explosion of that binary companion may have even been what wiped out the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. And it would have had to happen in a, in a, in a past called aphelion, meaning that it would have had to be the farthest away that it, that it, that it travels if it to explode, because if it had done it uh, closer to our solar system, it would have destroyed the entire solar system. So we're talking about ancient catastrophes that go back far, far farther than most people ever realize where this cycle has existed, which is why the Earth goes through these cycles continuously. I've looked at Vostok Antarctica ice cores that go back 450,000 years and analyzed them. And we're seeing a continuous evolution of ice ice ages that develop with ice caps in the northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere that that always mimic an exact melting around every hundred thousand years almost precisely mm -hmm. on a on a basis of almost every time 
and then the earth rapidly warms up, goes through periods of stabilization before rapidly de um, getting colder again and going through these cycles, showing us that this cycle, this set of cycles on the earth has been happening now for at least half a million years. So 85% of stars are binary, not all exactly. are, right? Yeah, and the changes you're talking about, it's interesting because I've heard this in regards to climate change. Is there really a climate change? Are we going through these cycles that have been going on ad infinitum? And so what you're referring to, is it actually affecting us today? Does it have something to do with the current changes related to this cycle? Yeah, I think that's the entire reason why the Pioneer uh, 10 data was scrubbed. And I mean scrubbed oh. everywhere. You can't I encourage people to go look into what the Pioneer 10 probe found. And, and you're talking you're, to yeah. be specific. So you say NASA Caltech, you say JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory? Is um, well, that's the interesting thing is that Caltech, and I've reached out to some people at Caltech with no answer back. Um, but they they have done independent studies on the Kuiper Belt to determine that, yes, there's a planet that exists beyond the Kuiper Belt that's influencing gravitationally. They've acknowledged that. They call it Planet Nine. And that's one of the areas that I'm doing research on. This planet is a planetary companion of the dead star. Okay. That's the, so they've acknowledged that there's a planetary companion. Think about it though. Why would you have a planet like that just roaming around with no reason at all, influencing periodically the Kuiper belt, unless it has a host that it's, that it's revolving around. There's a dance going on in our solar system that's an enormous dance between the, the the binary star this planet that's i believe the cause of the precession of the equinox on earth and wow. why we seem to face different constellations every 2100 years they seem to all be related amazing stuff amazing stuff i've got a quote from one of your books about the uh, ancient texts and the quote is the only reason you're able to read these words now and not be at risk of torture or being burned at the stake is due to certain laws and freedoms that were finally enacted, which have temporarily allowed this control system to lose its grip here. That's why this particular time period is so important. So talk about that, about why the oldest texts became suppressed, why they became hidden from most of society. Even, you know, you're talking about things being scrubbed, which actually could have great influence and power in the knowledge. Yeah, essentially you can trace that back to the transition of the Roman Empire into the Holy Roman Empire with Constantine. So Constantine, that occurred in a place called Constantinople, which is in um, modern-day Turkey. And that transition went from Constantine and various other handlers and people that were involved in that realized that they could control the entire narrative. They could control the history of our past, as well as religion and understanding our spiritual connection, if they were to take over the entire message and, and essentially wiped out the ancient writings from the past. They were traveling around and destroying libraries and destroying groups around the world. They were protecting this ancient knowledge. That's why uh, the Nag Hammadi was hidden in a cave along the Nile River. Why we find the Dead Sea Scrolls in a cave along the Dead Sea. Th these things around the world were being deliberately hidden and to be protected in the future because they knew that they were being sought for destruction. There's an ancient story here that's been preserved for thousands and thousands of years by these groups 
that it's been under war. It's been under war by the Roman, the Holy Roman Empire, and then other groups that have come after into today. This ancient war is basically a war on information. It's basically like when the conquistadors, like Cortez, went over and uh, conquered Mexico with the Aztec and the, the, the ancient Maya. They burned 99% of every Mayan text. The only, the only Maya, like one of only two Mayan texts that survived the Potal Vu was because one of these Spanish uh, priests, conquistadors, decided to protect it and keep it keep it around for us today. But essentially, they were trying to wipe out our, our story of Wait, actually, uh, Popol Vuh was written, okay, they destroyed all the Mayan texts, and the, uh, but there were a cup, there was a priest or a couple priests who, who had survived, and they wrote the Popol Vuh to try to retain their knowledge the mayan the mayan uh, repository of knowledge past and it's been going on now for thousands of years and so whatever is left now whatever is left is basically what we have left over and i want to give an example in the royal ashurbanipal library that was found in ancient nineveh in 1849 by austin henry laird they found um, upwards of 40, 50,000 cuneiform tablets. And out of that, we only have a few hundred that have been translated. Where are the rest of them? Why did so many of these ancient manuscripts and texts from the Aztec and the Maya end up in the Vatican archives in Rome? What we're seeing well, here there. is a controlled opposition of our history all. to hide this entire chapter yeah, of our past. It, it's far more organized and controlled it. than we realize it is. And that's why the people that are doing this, me and Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson and Robert Schock and Robert Braval and Billy Carson and countless other names, none of us are archaeologists because we can't be. We have to be sort of on the outside to be able to do this. Because you would lose all credibility and all, um, all of your academic work that you have built up to that. We're, it's it's a war over our past that we're fighting right now. And it's it's growing to the to, because of the internet and people getting more access to this. It's becoming more and more known. Corporations fund, oops, corporations fund the chairs of departments. So they're calling the shots about what's published, um, and they hold all the most important spots, and they get in to control all the journals, all the scientific journals. I studied medical humanities. We did quite an extensive unit on on this very subject. So. I, do know what I'm talking about? Fail of a, this illusion, this illusion of our past and who we are, and all this—it's coming down right now as more and more learn the truth, and it's becoming like a crusade for people like me. Hmm. So tell us more about your book with Billy Carson. It just came out two days ago. Congratulations! Thank you. I appreciate that. Where that can we book, get it? What's in it? 
that book was um, over the uh, over course of two and a half years of work went into that book. <clears throat> and what we wanted to do is Billy Carson and I have been working together for a number of years. I and we said, you know, hey, why don't we collaborate together and try to write this story that, you know, we call the epic of humanity? Because our story is an incredible epic. Oh, it's just oh, amazing. And, if, and I think that there hasn't been a book yet that has come out that's told the chronological order of our story from the beginning all the way up until now and where we're going in the future. And that's what this book, the whole purpose of it does. It has timelines in it where everything places where the ancient history, according to the best evidence we have and what the ancient texts tell us, as well as graphs and charts. And basically Billy and I try to recreate to the best of our ability, what our story is. How far back this lowering of kingship came, this creation of humanity, these influences of these like sky gods and all of these things that have happened throughout our history. We're trying to tell what this this epic is that we have. And that's why I'm very proud to include as many ancient texts that I believe of any book ever created where people can go in almost like a it's this is like a a dictionary of our ancient texts of our history where you know, the, the, to me, the most important pieces of those ancient texts are preserved here, like a time capsule for the future so that people can go and read themselves what the ancient people try to tell us, but also have all the data and evidence to back up to, to like try to recreate the story of, of our epic. Beautiful. And I know you're going to be speaking at the Conscious Life Expo. I'll be there. I never miss it every year. I do. I cover it. And so it's in February. It's live or live stream. So there's no excuses for folks not to be able to see it. And there's going to be a link that you can get your tickets. You must get tickets and highly recommend it. It's my highlight of every year. And there'll be a link there so you folks can register and attend. Talk about when you're going to be presenting, what you're going to be presenting. I want to present. I'll be presenting on February 10th. So please um, sign up for that if you're interested. I've done some posts on it. She's going to have a link in there. Um, I only have like 150 people I can have in the room, so it's going to fill up. So I hope you can sign up for it. But I'm going to have a whole presentation I'm going to be doing that's going to go into a lot of the things we talked about tonight and quite a bit more, where we're really going to be showing charts and data and breaking this down in a very complex way to try to recreate our ancient history and talk about ancient catastrophes. A lot of stuff um, with with um, these lost civilizations and the dead star. And I want to show data and really try to um, bring this lost knowledge back to the light with, to try to be as compelling as I can with um, something that's a, that's that's both academic, but as well as something that's um, entertaining and interesting. Oh, absolutely. So you're going to be Friday night. Friday, yeah, Friday. Right okay. before Jimmy Carson does the panel on, on ancient history stuff. Okay, fantastic. And I'm just so curious with the inception, where you started with all this, Matt, and all of this fascinating exploration, digging, unearthing, learning, what has it caused change for you in consciousness and spirituality, in the life of the universe and your part in it? What is that research? We're going to continue this in the next podcast. If you enjoyed this one, that's great. Good for you. Give me a five-star review. Wear a mask when you're in a public indoor space. The fucking Trump virus is not over yet. Bye.